630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Exhibition action. The Blue Jackets up 3-0 on the Bruins. Shots 13-7 in favor of Columbus. Earlier at Rogers Place, the Predators shut out the Stars 2-0. Arvidsson both goals for the Preds. And 8 o'clock at Rogers Place, the Golden Knights take on the Coyotes. That is the final exhibition game. And then the playoffs start for real on Saturday. And, of course, a lot of discussion on that tonight. The Blue Jays already in the books today. They fall 6-4 to the Washington Nationals. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers at EE Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Happy to hear from you tonight. You can call or text 780-496-0063. Trucker Dave bursting out of the gate. Hello, Reed. Two more sleeps until the tournament. Can't frickin' wait. That is from Trucker Dave. Appreciate that he actually typed in frickin'. He didn't make me uh, edit that on the fly. I'm sure many of you are excited about the games finally resuming, and they will count after the Oilers won an exhibition game on Tuesday night against the Calgary Flames by the score of 4-1. Of course, we have every Oilers game for you on 6.30, Chad. Saturday, the broadcast starts at 11 in the morning with the face-off show and the puck drops at one between the Oilers and the Blackhawks. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You could even participate in a Twitter poll if you like things like that. You have until 8 o'clock to vote. It's a simple question. Who would you start in goal in game one against Chicago? That has been a big discussion point, and uh, Koskinen is in the lead right now which probably isn't surprising. He looked better in the final couple of scrimmages that the Oilers played. I thought both goaltenders were good on Tuesday night against Calgary. Koskinen made a couple of big saves. He got uh, some help from some teammates blocking a couple of shots when he was briefly caught out of the net in the second period. Didn't give up a goal. Mike Smith, probably the higher caliber chances overall. He was beaten on a power play late in the second period, but they were both good. And I saw somebody reply to my tweet saying, Reed, I don't think there's a wrong answer. And that's a, that's a pretty nice thing to say uh, about the goaltending. I'm sure many of you are leaning one way or the other. I, I would doubt, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I would doubt anybody would be furious if Dave Tippett went against your recommendation. So a good situation at, uh, at least to sitting here on July 30th for the Oilers to be in net. But you can uh, jump on my Twitter poll or just text me if you want. Or, well, you can really text me anything, anything that you like. Uh, other thoughts on the on the team, uh, recipes, beer recommendations. I'm I'm down for anything on the text line. Trust me. Okay, so the Oilers did practice today. Dave Tippett with a quick lineup and goalie update. Uh, we had everybody on the ice for practice today, which is a good sign, and we'll see. Uh, uh, hopefully, we'll have the same thing tomorrow, and uh, we'll continue to talk about the goal planners today. All right, so Dave Tippett not tipping his hand on the goaltenders and no need for him to do that. Maybe we'll get something tomorrow. Maybe he'll just say, we'll uh, let you know when whoever skates out leads the team out on the ice on Saturday. That's our our starter for that game. So uh, he could just wait. But important to note there, he said everybody was on the ice. Riley Shane didn't play the game on Tuesday. Caleb Jones didn't play the game on Tuesday, both a little nicked up. So sounds like they both skated today. 
So that should be good news for the Oilers having as many options as uh, as possible. I don't know if Jones would necessarily play ahead of Chris Russell off the top, but I, I would think Caleb Jones is the first guy in if they uh, need another option. So remember that. And Riley Shan was replaced by Gaetan Haas on Tuesday night. I thought Haas had a, had a decent game, got out there killing penalties, Probably would like him to be a little bit better in the face-off circle, but uh, got involved in the play. So if you know if Gaetan Haas is uh, your 13th forward, that's probably not such a bad option either. Well, one of the things that has been much discussed leading into this, and I'm going to, to get into it with Pierre McGuire from NBC in the next half hour of the show as well, is is playoff experience, and and you often see that in the postseason. Uh, a team that has the old phrase, they have been there before. They know what it takes. Maybe they didn't have a great regular season, but when the things tighten up in the playoffs, the pressure mounts, you need to win a period, need to win a 10 minute stretch of a period to win a game. You go into overtime, you need to block a shot or make a check or know what you can get away with the refs. The experienced team often uh, knows those types of things. Chicago has that experience to a degree, and that's and that's one thing I, I want to emphasize tonight, and I do think it's another way to work into the look at this series. It's It's been interesting interacting with a lot of you talking about this series in, in the weeks we've known it was coming, and, and I get it because I've said it, playoff experience, Keith, Kane, Taves, those guys especially leading the way, Crawford and Nett, Seabrook's not going to be able to play, but, uh, but clearly Chicago with some players who have done it. They have won all or, or some of the Stanley Cups, the, the three Stanley Cups they've won over the last decade. But Chicago this year was not expecting go to the playoffs. I, I would think if the Blackhawks thought they were going to be in the postseason, they would have traded Eric Gustafson. They would not have traded Eric Gustafson. They would not have traded uh, Robin Leonard as a backup goaltender. You'd probably hang on to those guys if you think you're going to get into the postseason and do some damage. But here they are into the tournament. And yes, they are. Well, first of all, Patrick Kane is dangerous regardless of how much experience he has in the playoffs or doesn't have or where he is in his career. Jonathan Taves, one of the best all-around players of the last 20 years. I, I don't think you can argue that. So those guys, yes, they have playoff experience. Can that help the players around them? Yes, I think it can. But I, I just looked at the roster that Chicago dressed in their exhibition game yesterday against St. Louis. And... The Chicago Blackhawks had nine players on that roster with zero NHL playoff games, zero NHL playoff games. So it's, it's great. You have, you know, Kane and Taves who are, you know, around triple digits for playoff games in their career and Duncan Keith and those guys. But then the drop off is pretty significant as you go down the roster to nothing. Nylander, nothing. Strom, nothing. Doc, the local kid, nothing. Kubelik, outstanding rookie, but of course never been in the playoffs. Highmore, nothing. Kampf, nothing. Boquist, who's probably going to have a great career, nothing. Murphy, nothing. So all of a sudden you have nine of the 18 skaters on the Blackhawks have never been in a playoff game. Now for the Oilers, you have Yamamoto, never. Bear hasn't played. Uh, Jones hasn't played. And Haas, if uh, now I don't know if he's going to be be a regular, but I'll just look at him since he did play the the uh, the priest of the exhibition game on Tuesday. Uh, he doesn't have any playoff games now. Granted, some of the Oilers don't have a lot: McDavid, Cassian, Nugent Hopkins, um, you know, Kara, Clefbaum, the, the, some of those guys who made their playoff debuts with the Oilers in 2017. But at least they have 13 games 
or, you know, or a couple less than 13 under their belt. That's more than zero. You know, Archibald doesn't have a lot for, but he has played some. Athanasiu has been in the playoffs as bad as Detroit was the last couple of years. Earlier in his career, he got into five playoff games. So still more than zero. So I, I don't know if if the experience factor is as much in Chicago's favor as you might think. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Fred is on the line. Fred, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, how's it going, Reed? Good. Two more sleeps till uh, the playing round, I guess you call it. I got the white gloves. We shined the cup up. We're ready to go, Reed. The only uh, way Chicago has a chance is if Crawford completely stands on his head. I think McDavid and Drysdale can say, "Okay, boys, you had your turn." I think it's our turn now. And McDavid, you can see he's flying out there. How are you going to stop those two? Really, you can stop one of them, but you can't stop both of them, right, Reed? Well, I hope so. I, I mean, again, I, I think if both teams play to their potential, I, I think the Oilers win. And I think you make a good point about Crawford. But again, the goaltending for the Oilers appears to be in a good situation. Uh, going into the postseason. The Oilers' power play, I think, can continue to be productive. Fred, it's always good to hear from you. Penalty killing for the Oilers, we'll see. I know it was second in the NHL, and it's the best of the 24 teams in the tournament. So San Jose had the best penalty killing. They're not in the tournament, so you could say the Oilers actually have the the two best units going into the playoffs. I think if the PK is at least competent, then you got a chance against anybody. Uh, that was Fred, 7804960063. Now, back to the goaltending situation, because Miko Koskinen has never played an NHL playoff game. And maybe he's going to be the game one starter. He's certainly the pick for most of you. Miko Koskinen just turned 31 on July 18th. I know it's not the NHL. He has been on two championship teams in the KHL. And today, Dave Tippett was asked about Koskinen's KHL experience and success. Well, you recognize what he's, uh, you know, what he's done in his past to get here. Um, you know, I did looked at his record, uh, you know, over the years before I came last year. Uh, when I looked at him, uh, the one thing I that was evident was he looked like he was uh, fatigued at the year before, had played a lot of games, and uh, it, it looked like that was affecting his play. And this year, we, uh, with the way we platooned our guys, um, he's looked fresh every start. He's, uh, you know what, he is a quiet guy, but he's a mature guy. He understands the game very well. Um, he's just coming, he has a quiet confidence about him. And, you know, he's, uh, I think this year, the biggest thing with both our goaltenders is our team trusts both of them. And I think the goaltenders trust the team. And uh, so he's, He's played well all year, and uh, you know you know what he's done in the past. You know that it's it's not uh, he's got good experience in in playoffs, just not in the in the NHL. So uh, you recognize that, and we expect him to be a good player in the playoffs. Yeah, the Koskinen we saw under uh, Ken Hitchcock late in that season was, I think, a very fatigued goaltender. That was where the season late in the year, it seemed like every time a player shot to his glove side, it, it went in. I, I would say for the most part this season, his glove hand was was not a weakness. Sure, he got beat there sometimes, but but every goaltender does. Um, this is a really unique situation for the Oilers. I think both guys are going to play. Clearly, if, if one goaltender is 
is that much hotter than the other guy, you're going to play him and you're going to worry less about fatigue because if the hotter goaltender can finish off a series quicker for you, then he's going to get to rest anyway. Cowtown Bob writes in, he says, Coach Tippett will start his guy, Mike Smith, and ride him every game throughout the playoffs. Koskinen will only see action if Mike Smith has a serious stumble. So there's a Cowtown Bob. He uh, does not agree with me. He thinks it's going to be Smith likely all the way. And the Big L, who often makes me chuckle, says TSN's Luke Fox listed the Oilers' ninth likely to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, but he listed the Leafs' 11th. This is down east thinking. Will he get fired? Will he have to sit in Trucker Dave's basement and watch Western Conference games as a punishment? Big L, I'll have to text my sources at TSN to confirm or deny. We're back after the break. Inside Sports on Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Pierre McGuire from the NHL on NBC coming up between 6.30 and 7. St. Albert's Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues is on between 7 and 7.30. And then after the 7.30 news, Kevin Dayoff, who is the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, will be on the show. We'll also touch base with Chris Morris, coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team, as U Sports has, that, uh, has reversed its decision about the uh, age restriction in U Sports football. So Chris will uh, chime in on that. He was pretty vocal about what had happened. Have uh, hockey on the tube here in the basement. Eight minutes into the second period, Columbus leading Boston 3-0. Uh, keeping the theme going of, of playoff experience, I, I mentioned how the Blackhawks have nine players who are expected to play against the Oilers on Saturday who have never played a playoff game. Uh, Edmonton, depending on how they deploy the lineup, will have between three and five, I suppose. Uh, I mean, Yamamoto and Bear are going to play for sure. Jones and Haas are iffy. Uh, and then Cobb, we'll see if it's Koskinen or Smith uh, in net. Koskinen has never played an NHL playoff game. And let's not forget what's going on behind the bench here. Dave Tippett has coached 74 playoff games and 1,185 regular season games. Jeremy Carlton from the Chicago Blackhawks has coached 137 regular season games. Let's not downplay the impact of uh, coaching in the playoffs either and recognizing situations and what to do in game. And, and let's not forget that two other members of the Oilers coaching staff, Playfair and Gullitson, have been NHL head coaches. So that could be another edge for the Oilers in this series. We had Matthew Barnaby, current broadcaster, former player on the show last night. He's a big fan of Dave Tippett. Well, I think he's, a, he, he's just an honorable man, first and foremost. He's very well prepared. Um, he demands work ethic. He, ma- he demands that all his top players play both sides of the puck. And you can be a star. You'll get a little bit of lenient, and you should. Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, they are superior offensively than anyone else. You have to give themselves leniency, but he treats everyone with respect, but he demands that you play hard and you play the right way. And um, he's just a very honest man, and that's that's why I like him. That's why I love him as a coach. I love him as a person. And that's why I thought with the hire that they had, with the youth they had in the youth of superstars, uh, that he'd be a great fit. And uh, it's no surprise that they are where they are. And it will be no surprise if they move on and they contend for a Stanley Cup. They're that good. They're that talented. Do they lack some, you know, maybe some depth throughout the lineup? Yeah, probably a little bit. Are they a little young? 
to maybe challenge for a Stanley Cup? Yeah, maybe, but would it surprise me if they're in the Western Conference final? Absolutely not. Challenging for a Stanley Cup? Absolutely not. He's very well prepared, a great guy, and he has some of the horses he can rely on. So that's Matthew Barbie. Likes Dave Tippett a lot, likes the Oilers roster, so some perspective there. Uh, Steve says, what about Nygaard? Yeah, fair comment. Uh, if, if Steve, if you're going for the experience angle, clearly no NHL experience. I, I mean, I see Haas, Patrick Russell, and Nygaard as the fifth line for the Oilers. They were often together in training camp, and, and I, one of them would get in depending on the situation. Haas got to go in for Shane because Shane, a center, was out of the lineup. Patrick Russell got to be the 13th floor forward, I think just kind of a reward for, for his hard work and uh, everything he puts into the team doesn't get to play a lot. I was, I was glad to see Patrick Russell score, got a little bit of a bounce, but I think he was owed one after he lost that goal in Vancouver in the regular season. Another texture says, does the playoff, does the play in round count as the playoffs? Yes. The qualifying round is considered playoffs as is the round Robin. Those are all going to be playoff stats. They, the NHL has declared the regular season over. So everything now is playoffs. The qualifying round, leads into the first round of the playoffs. All right, Connor McDavid ready to rock against the Blackhawks. The American Hockey League announcing that the next regular season will start December 4th. Like the NHL, it paused on March 12th. It canceled the season a couple of months later. Of course, the uh, president of the AHL, now Scott Housen, who spent many years with the uh, Oilers organization, so the AHL returning December 4th. Blue Jays lost 6-4 to the Nationals. Exhibition hockey. Predators beat the Stars 2-0. Golden Knights and the Coyotes get going in about an hour and a half. Boston is on the board, but still trailing Columbus 3-1. Seven minutes left in the second period. Jenner, Wierenski, and Nyquist with first period goals for the Blue Jackets, who uh, really outplayed Boston in the first. Pasternak has the response for the Bruins in the second period. We'll keep you updated on those. Oilers and Chicago. Saturday at 1 p.m., our face-off show on 6.30, Chad, will get going at 11. Going to be great to have you along for the ride there as the Oilers hope uh, begin what will be hopefully a long postseason run. Yeah, somebody texted in asking about are, are these playoff games. These are playoff games. So the NHL this year has a qualifying round and a round robin going on at the same time, depending on what your seed is, and then it goes rounds one, two, three, and 4. So qualifying round is like round zero. It's not the first round, even though it is the first round being played. Does that make sense? It's sort of like time travel, but more confusing. You need a DeLorean to figure it out. Kellen Kennedy's back at the studio. Kellen, old boy, how are you? Uh, not too bad. And if anybody asks for use of my DeLorean, the flux capacitor is in the shop getting worked on. So it's I busy. cannot supply. <laughs> it's busy. All right. It is busy, yes. Good to hear. <laughs> 7804960063 to call or text. Uh, Rod says, Reed, are Bob and Jack not broadcasting live? They are live. Uh, they, they are simply in a different location because of the restrictions with the pandemic. Bob and Jack 
are in our uh, temporary studio that has been set up by our wonderful engineers in a meeting room here at 630 Ched. So that they are calling the game live. The games are live on Ched. Um, they're just doing it off some giant monitors rather than being in their perch at Rogers place. So yeah, when you hear Bob and Jack, uh, like you did on Tuesday, when you hear them on Saturday, they are live. They're calling the game as it happens. They just had to uh, adjust to a different location. And I'm sure a lot of you are doing that. As I've mentioned, I was, I've, uh, I've been doing inside sports at home since, uh, I think it's April 7th or something like that. I was upstairs in a very small second bedroom. I'm now in the basement and I'm glad I made this move because it is much cooler down here than it would be on the second floor of my house with a window facing west. So I'm happy to make this move. Dave Tippett is uh, living in the bubble, which for him hasn't been as dramatic a move as it has been for others. That's probably I'm probably not the right guy to ask that question because in actual fact, I live full time in the bubble here because I live right upstairs in this building. So, uh, you know, it hasn't changed that much for me other than you don't have the freedom to go to the grocery store or whatever, but uh, it's been uh, it's been pretty normal for me. Um, you know, it's interesting seeing the other teams around, uh, running into a lot of people throughout the league that uh, you don't normally run into on a daily basis. But all in all, the bubble has been between the food, the restaurants, the uh, um, the testing has gone very smooth. Uh, dressing rooms, everything to me has gone very, very smooth so far. And um, I, I know from our player standpoint, there's no complaints whatsoever. And it's probably for a lot of hockey players, it's like a, a kid's tournament when you used to go lots of teams around and everybody's excited to play. And uh, once the tournament starts, there'll be lots of enthusiasm and and lots of people watching. So it's uh, it's the experience in the bubble has been very positive so far. Yeah, Dave Tippett and Ken Holland both mentioning they they live in the, the the on the residential floors above the hotel of the Marriott, so they just had to move down into the bubble. So that's how that works for them. A lot of uh, media in town to cover the playoffs here in Edmonton, including the always energetic Pierre Maguire from NBC. Pierre, welcome back to 630 Chad. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Reed. Really nice to chat with you. Yeah, good to talk to you. And obviously it's a a time of adjustment and uh, uncertainty for a lot of people. And bubble life is something a lot of people are, are learning about. And I guess you're getting that experience right now. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a little bit unique and different, obviously. Uh, before I flew out here, I was flying from Montreal to Edmonton. And in order to do that, I had to uh, leave the United States where I was working with a lot of young prospects and go to my home in northern Quebec. So I quarantined for 14 days there up in northern Quebec. Then I flew here on Monday. And uh, I've been in my hotel room ever since uh, this past Monday. And I don't get out until Saturday morning at around 630 in the morning. Oh my goodness! So you're counting down, I assume, or are you one of those guys? You, your your mind is busy enough. You're okay in quarantine. Well, I've been doing a lot of hockey work and a lot of prep work, so I've been busy. But you know, it just kind of messes up your athletic routine in terms of working out and stuff like that. So I've had to change my workouts a little bit. But no, everything's been good. It's been solid, and the hospitality at the hotel has been great. The National Hockey League's been awesome, and I got to tell you, Reed, the medical professionals in particular have been overwhelmingly good. You know, every day you've got to have a COVID nineteen test. I had my fourth test, uh, counting my one test that I had in Quebec before I got on the plane. So I've had four so far and and the people that have come to the room to give them have been just phenomenal really really good 
Okay, good to hear. So uh, we're getting you through your quarantine, and then you're getting to work. Now, tell us about how the broadcasts are going to to work for you. You know, again, one of these things a lot of people are adapting to. A lot of us are used to seeing you between the benches. What's your spot going to be? Well, Reed, you know, it's interesting. There'll be no uh, play-by-play man here or uh, color analyst upstairs uh, for the first two weeks of of the tournament, believe it or not. So I'm going to be here alone, the only voice from NBC. And the people I'll be working with, for instance, on Game 1, Edmonton versus Chicago, which is on the big NBC in the United States on Saturday afternoon. Doc Emmerich will be in Port Huron, Michigan. Eddie Olchuk will be in Stanford, Connecticut. And I'll be here in Edmonton. And I won't be standing exactly behind the benches but I'll be pretty darn close I'll be right behind uh, one of the benches but basically on the bench if you know what I mean so that's where I'll be calling the game from Okay, so a view you're used to then. And hey, you'll be able to, you can all, you already have a great spot there to hear stuff. It's going to be even quieter for you to hear all the chatter and some of the colorful language, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's part of it. But more times than not, you'd be surprised. It's more about what the officials are saying to the benches, what the coaches are saying to the players, um, what some of the players are saying to one another, especially in their own bench. I think part of this tournament, read that's going to be really interesting because there isn't any crowd noise, obviously is how loud a bench can be and how encouraging or discouraging a bench can be. And I think that's going to be a big part of this is the chemistry on the benches and, and how teams respond uh, when they're challenged or when they're, they're having to find another level that they have to go to. That's the thing that I think is really going to matter a lot. Okay, so that brings a question to my mind. From your experience in, in in that position as a broadcaster, and I know you coached and played as well, but uh, a player that really struck you as vocal, positive, or just really good at keeping that vibe up with his teammates? Well, when I was coaching, it was Alfie Samuelson. Uh, he was phenomenal in Pittsburgh in our two cup runs. He was just really loud, really demonstrative, and very encouraging. Uh, I think back to the 2011 Stanley Cup final, uh, Boston versus Vancouver. Boston had to go into Vancouver to win a game seven. Mark Recchi was phenomenal, you know, and that's the last game he ever played. He retired right after that, but he won three Stanley Cups. He was amazingly demonstrative and loud. I think back to the Washington win over Vegas and how loud. Ovechkin was and what a great leader he was. I think back to last year with St. Louis, Alex Petrangelo, he's a captain of the team. He was amazingly encouraging uh, during the entire uh, tournament, and I did a lot of St. Louis games. In fact, I think I did every one of their playoff games. So, you know, those are the guys that I think of, but you're going to have to have not just one guy like that now. You're going to have to have many guys like that because you're going to have to create your own enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, well said for sure. It's going to be a different vibe with no fans and, and the pumped-in noise. Pierre Maguire from NBC joining us on Inside Sports. I got to talk to you about Oilers Chicago. It is topic number one in this city. I get a lot of feedback from listeners, some of whom are cautiously optimistic. They're quoting the Hawks' playoff experience, Kane, Taves, some of those guys. And last night, Pierre, you know what? A couple fans texted it and said, Reed, what are we worried about? Chicago's the 12th seed. We should have more fire power than those guys uh what's your look at this series well you do have more firepower there's no question about that especially when you look at Connor mcdavid and you look at leon dry and you look at the growth of uh 
Kaylor Yamamoto. Um, you know, you got a lot of guys that have really stepped up. I love the way Tyler Ennis has played, especially playing in more of an offensive role. I uh, can't say enough good things about the flexibility of Ryan Nugent Hopkins and what he can provide. Um, you know, firepower is not going to be an issue for Edmonton. I think the biggest thing is going to be handling the level of expectation early on, playing as the favorite, not an easy thing to do, making sure that their goaltending is all you know set up with Mike Smith and Koskinen, who's going to be the guy. And um, Dave Tippett's an outstanding coach. He's got much more playoff coaching experience than what Chicago has. Um, so I think that's going to be something uh, that you're going to have to pay attention to. Um, but the thing to me about Chicago is there are nine players on that roster that have zero NHL playoff experience. Nine. That's a lot. And so it's really incumbent upon uh, Edmonton to get off to a really good start and make sure that they take advantage uh, of their experience and also of their speed and their, and their skill. And if they do that, it's going to be a problem for uh, Chicago. You mentioned Dave Tippett. You know, he had a great year. I think his coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, too, especially when you look at how the Oilers' penalty kill turned around. I had Matthew Barnaby on the show last night, Pierre, who at one point in his career was coached by Tippett and just talked about how much he liked Tip, not just as a coach, but as a person and how how he treats people. Give me your sense of, uh, of Dave Tippett. I mean, you've known him a while and seen him coach for a long time. The one thing I tell you, when when Dave was playing, I was coaching in the league, and and he was an outstanding player. It wasn't about offense with him. It was about just being a solid 200-foot player, being a difference maker at key times in a game, whether it was sustaining momentum or trying to generate momentum. Um, He was really, really efficient and really good at that. Um, He led by example. I remember when he took over as a coach in Dallas and and what a good job he did bringing in structure and and creating roles for players. And, And they thrived as a group they really did um but he's been at it a long time he's got a wealth of experience i like his staff a lot um i really like young brian wiseman I, i've known wiseman a long time i try to recruit him to come play college hockey at st lawrence university he chose the university of michigan but I, he's one of those bright young coaches that's out there that's on the staff that does a lot to make players better to help dave along all right, Pierre, let's let's just uh, look at some of the other series. I'll, I'll ask you this. Uh, which series, perhaps, uh, in the Western Conference of the qualifying round, other than Edmonton-Chicago, do you find most compelling? A lot of people in this market answer Calgary-Winnipeg because you have the whole Smythe Division connections and uh, an all-Canadian rivalry. What about for you? Yeah, no, that's going to be obviously a really good one. The one thing I would say is um, in the in the qualifying series, uh, what will be interesting to see is uh, Nashville and, and Arizona and to see how that one plays out because you got a coach who's got a lot of structure in Rick Tockett, uh, but they've just gone through the managerial change uh, in Arizona, so you wonder how they're feeling coming into this. And you've got another coach, John Hines, who's relatively new with a team that kind of underachieved this year in Nashville. So I think that's going to be a series that's going to be worth watching just because it's got the potential to be really crazy uh, and a whole lot different. Um, but that, you know, the one team that I don't know if I'd want to play them would be Colorado. I just think Colorado's so darn good. And uh, Nathan McKinnon's outstanding, we all know, but it's the depth of their defense. It's it's the speed with which they attack. They're very, very similar to Edmonton. But Colorado's a team out west that I'd be a little bit hesitant to want to play early on. Yeah, and uh, McKinnon and McCarr, both exceptional players. Pierre, before I let you go, I I always enjoy going off the map a little bit, and sometimes 
you know, as you know from your work in the media, sometimes you get the best stories that way. So I'm going to go that way with you with a little tidbit I read about you. What can you tell me about Olympic water polo? A lot. Um, the American women are the best in the world, without a doubt. Um, I've had the privilege of doing the Olympics in uh, London and uh, getting to know um, the water polo world unbelievably. And then uh, in Rio, um, I was asked to go to the USA house <clears throat> after the American women won and just getting to know um, their stories and how hard they work. Believe it or not, it's very similar to hockey, uh, just without frozen ice, obviously. And most of the young ladies ladies and men that play are big hockey fans. I can tell you that Team USA women are gigantic hockey fans. Most of them are from the West Coast in the United States, and they're either Shark fans, Kings fans, or Duck fans. So it's kind of neat. Um, but I know a lot about it, and I, I love doing it. It's At one time, they thought about maybe throwing me in the pool and let me call the games from under the water. I'm not kidding you. Um, but I don't think that uh, carried any weight with the Olympic people. So I still stand <laughs> by the side of the pool. I stand by the side of the pool and call it. Did you now? Did you have a connection with the sport before you got that assignment? No, I didn't at all. Um, you know, I was working. I was asked to go to the London Olympics, and I got there. And they said, "This is our vision for what we think you can do to help us." And that's when I started doing it. And I was really grateful for that opportunity. And um, I, I never take it for granted. You know, the one thing that's interesting, I was supposed to be in, in Tokyo right now doing the Olympics. So it's kind of neat um, that I'm here doing hockey instead of doing water polo in Tokyo. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Pierre, thanks for checking in. You know, I hope the uh, final, I guess, about day and a half now of your quarantine goes okay. <laughs> It'll be cool seeing you at the rink, man. Uh, Reed, thanks so much for the call. I really appreciate it. It's so awesome to be back in Edmonton. I'm really, really excited to be working here at the new rink. Right on. That is Pierre McGuire from NBC. So in quarantine, getting out Saturday, and then sort of between the benches for the broadcasts on NBC. And cool little aside there. Not just hockey, also has broadcast Olympic water polo last two summer games, and he would have been doing it this summer if everything hadn't been changed around. So there you go. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text. John says, Reed, how does the seeding work for matchups after the playing round? Well, the teams will be uh, reseeded. So here's the thing. The, the Oilers are going to be the number five seed because they, they can't move. They're the highest seed of the teams playing in the qualifying round. Colorado, St. Louis, and we'll have Colton Pareko on soon. Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, and Dallas are playing around Robin to determine seeds one through four. And then the four surviving qualifying round teams will get seeds five through eight based on their order of finish in the regular season. So if, uh, if God forbid, Chicago beat the Oilers, they would be the lowest seed going into the first round and they would play whoever got the top seed from the round robin. John, I hope that makes sense, but uh, they'll be reseeded one through one through eight. All right, 651. I'll get to... Do you find your podcasts? You could interpret that promo as saying the podcasts have gone missing. Wherever you find your podcasts, 
Wherever you find your Egyptian artifacts. We need Scooby-Doo. Well, probably in Egypt, I guess. Most Egyptian artifacts would be in Egypt. Uh, all right. Richard says, I'm very interested to see how these playoffs play out because of the fact that all the players are going in rested and healthy and they don't have to travel. That alone will make it so very different from anything we've ever seen before. I think it's a good point. You know, travel can uh, can wear teams down. Sometimes it's not even travel from series to series. So everybody's, uh, I mean, the only time teams will travel is the the two surviving teams in Toronto will fly to Edmonton for the East final and for the Stanley Cup final. So just that one trip. Uh, Steve says, uh, what if the uh, what if the number one seed in the East and the number one seed in the West meet in the final? Who gets home ice advantage? Uh, playoff, or, or uh, pardon me, regular season points. So that, that'll still be used to uh, to break ties there. So that, that doesn't change from how the playoffs usually work. But, uh, yeah, a lot, I know a lot of what-ifs. I'm getting more and more questions about uh, the seeding and the tournament and how, how it exactly works. Basically, if you keep winning, it's really good. <laughs> That's the short answer. Not that I mind explaining it, but if you keep winning series, you'll eventually get the Stanley Cup. But the Oilers in Chicago will uh, start it off. So basically... The Oilers will play whoever finishes. If the Oilers beat Chicago, they will play whoever finishes last out of the tournament between St. Louis, Dallas, Vegas, and Colorado. That's what you have to remember there. So they they don't know for sure who they're going to play, but they would play the fourth-place team from that round robin. Speaking of St. Louis, Blues defenseman Colton Pareko is coming up in the next half hour of the show. Between 7.30 and 8, the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets Kevin Sheveldayoff will check in. Outstanding goaltending in Winnipeg. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.